Welcome to this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we've become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Today's podcast is brought to you by Recoup Fitness. Our friends at Recoup have created a product called The Stinger, and it is the first recovery product of its kind. It is so awesome, you guys. It combines myofascial release with cryotherapy, otherwise known as massage and icing, and it is going to replace ice cups forever. You can use it on bigger muscles like your quad, hamstrings, calves. I like to use it around my knee after I work out to help with a little bit of the swelling that I get. The Stinger is something you place in the freezer for two hours and it stays frozen for up to six hours. Come on guys, recover smarter. Go to recoupfitness.com, that's R-E-C-O-U-P fitness.com and use the code ACL Club to get a discount on one of their Stinger products. Go right now and start recouping like a pro. Hey guys, Jordan Angeli. I'm really excited for this week's podcast in various ways because a couple weeks ago, I met with a friend of mine, Jamie Gilbert, and he is a teacher, a writer, a motivator. He helps a lot of athletes with their mental game. And I finally got the chance to meet with him in person. And we spent about three hours just talking about what we're doing and how to be better at what we're doing and how to serve people better, I think, in general. And he was telling me how he listens a lot to Gary Vandercheck and Gary V. I don't know if you know anything about him or have listened to his podcast, but he started to ask people to put their phone numbers in comments on Instagram, on Twitter, on any kind of social media. And he's been calling these people and trying to solve their problems. And Jamie brought up a really good point that it's, you know, this community that I'm trying to build with the ACL club, scratch that. I'm not trying to build it. It's there. And we're just acknowledging it and trying to give it a bigger platform for us to all connect a little on a larger scale. So um, when trying to connect these people, I need to continue to reach out to people that I see on social media where I'm trying to connect with people. So I started to do that and I came across this guy, Tattoo.Skier, and he had been liking a lot of things I had on Instagram, uh, tagging me in some posts, and I just reached out to him and was like, hey, I'd, I'd love to talk. I, I see you um, engaging with our social media, and I would love to know more about your story and you know why you're doing what you're doing. And the resulting conversation is what we're having and you're about to listen to, and it is so intriguing to me because this man has a really interesting uh, story in life in general and how he's gotten through everything that he's been through. He worked on, he was in the army, worked on oil rigs and is a ski instructor. So very high intensity jobs that he's had and how he is constantly proving all of his characteristics as a human during these ACL rehab processes. And um, he's had three ACLs from from skiing and currently on his third and just spoke with him today. And he is from Canada and found out that he is not going to be able to have surgery until November due to the way um, the system works for healthcare up there. So obviously disappointed, but I hope that listening to this um, 
we will inspire Sean a little bit and we can all kind of rally behind him as he goes to this process because I, I, or goes through his third ACL and kind of waits for that time. But I really think that this is what this community is all about is he's inspiring us. Let's inspire him. And, um, I can't wait for you guys to kind of pick out the moments you like from his story because there's a lot of things that he said that I would point out and I want to point out, but I kind of want to hear what you guys have to say. So when this is over, make sure you hit, hit us up on Instagram or email me, uh, Jordan at the ACL club, and we can go from there. But here he is, Sean, the tattooed skier. Hey, Sean, it's Jordan from the ACL club. Oh, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? You weren't expecting am... a girl, were you? No, I wasn't. So I was just kind of like, huh. But yeah, I'm well today. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for chatting with me a little bit. I um, I had thought that you were tagging a few things to the ACL club and then a friend of mine, Lucas, who runs um, Soul Fuel, had uh-huh. reached out to me and was like, oh, you should talk to this guy. So um, you came across on a couple of different platform- platforms. So um, cool. I'm excited to talk to you. So. Uh, kind of explain to me a little bit about what's happening. Well, um, I, we'll go with a, a little bit of background here. So I'm four yeah. years old. Okay. For the last 11 years, I've worked as a professional in the ski industry um, in the winter times, and I've also worked heavy construction and, and oil fields um, in the summer between ski seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I was in the Canadian Army for 10 years. Wow. Um, in the winter of so I was in the infantry and I did a deployment to Afghanistan. So my body has, you know, got a lot of high mileage. Like mm-hmm. I've not, I've never worked in a soft arena in my life. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like it. So, um, January of 2007, I was, um, you know, I got out of the army and became a ski bum and thought I was a better skier than I was. And I was pushing some limits and I jumped a cliff I way overshot my landing. I I didn't fall in the landing, but when, how I where I landed and how I turned, I compressed that knee and in my my left side, I tore my uh, ACL complete, MCL complete, partial tear to the LCL. And okay. Then wow. Was skiing later on with the brace and tore my lateral meniscus before surgery. So that one was pretty big. But that knee actually came back way stronger than my right because in two thousand. And my right wasn't injured then, but in 2012, I was coaching my daughter. We were in a race course. I was demoing something. Fell. Race course like um, a ski yeah, race like course? A GS, a GS okay. set. Yeah, it was a GS set. I fell, and uh, I tore my right ACL. I knew right away, went down to ski, got that repaired, um, and then just recently, like, Ten days ago, I tore my right ACL again in training for my instructor level three. In pretty much the same circumstances, but without a course that my first ACL on my right side was torn. So, so, in that process, like, I've come back from both of the injuries before um, to pretty much the same level. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, what I'm doing now is now that I'm hurt, my social media is pretty limited in, in um, you know, trying to 
advertise for skiing and stuff. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do my ACL rehab and somebody on there is going to be watching theirs and I can probably inspire them to get better. And then in that process, get better myself because now I'm motivating myself to get out and do this stuff mm-hmm. to be an example for other people to do it. Because ACL yeah. surgery, like, it is a big deal, but it's not really that big a deal. I know. You know? I, I, um, in, for you and, like, probably the things that you've seen and been through in your life, you can really judge that perspective and, and see that, like, it needs to be handled with the same care that you would handle anything else. You know, it's a surgery. It's a big, it's, um, you know, you're drilling into your bones and, and making yeah. something new in your body. But at the same time, you we are so lucky that we are able to get the surgery and to heal and to get better and access to um, gyms where we can work out and this and that. So I'm sure you have an idea of the perspective. And that's one thing I want to share with the ACL club is just the perspective that I think it helps you heal if you kind of realize that this is a big deal and I, I respect it for it being a big deal, but I also respect like how grateful I am for being able to get through it. Yeah, totally. I, I could relate to that. A good friend of mine, he's a, he's a mountain bike rep. He's like, he's pretty, he's not a pro mountain biker, but he's a pretty, pretty awesome mountain biker. And he Mm -hmm. works for Rocky mountain bike. So in the the year that I was doing the rehab for my first knee surgery, so in, it would have been December of 2008, I was working, and he phoned me from the hospital. He was in a ski accident and it broke both his heels. So he had two <gasps> calcaneus fractures. Oh, and wow. he was 21, I think, at the time. He's significantly younger than me. Mm-hmm. But I went to the hospital every day. I felt bad for him. I went and saw him every day. Mm-hmm. And I told him, and he said to me, just recently, he's like, this is kind of one of the things that someone's told me in my life that's really stuck. And I, I, he was so down. He's like, oh, man, how am I going to ride my mountain bike? How am I going to do skiing? How am I going to do anything that I did before in my life? Because now yeah. I broke both my heels. And uh, I told him, I said, you, you know, you got an option right now. You can let this injury right now define you as the moment that you stopped life or you can let this moment define you as the moment that you, you, you know, challenged yourself, overcame challenge, and mm-hmm. define your character. So you can yeah. be defined now, and you can quit, bud. And I'm not gonna love you any less if you do, but I suggest you don't, and just keep going as far as you can, because the doctors are gonna tell you you can do this and you can't do that, but only you are gonna be able to determine that on how you heal and you stay positive and you do the fitness. And the cardio and your physio or physical therapy, right? Your your goal, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Do you think? And this is kind of a deeper question on that. You mentioned character and you know defining your character. Do you think that um, character can be defined without trials, like not just ACL but just trials in general? Don't you think that that's not one really. of the yeah? Because I, character is is is, is your your you have to be tested in order for your character to be proven. Mm-hmm. So you have to be tested either morally, ethically, or if, you know, in one of those two categories is going to test your, your, your character. Yeah. You're either going to be challenged ethically with, you know, someone approached me for help the other day and I either helped them or I didn't. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, your choice. That's your character. Um, 
and then you can't really build that character unless you're if it's spoon fed to you because if it's spoon fed to you it won't be unique it won't be diverse your character will be imposed on you by somebody else yeah i love that that's cool um so you so go ahead what were you gonna say yeah and i've been you know been challenged a lot i've been told a lot of my life you're never going to be able to do this you know you're too small or you're too this or you're too that no for what? Like, I, well, when I was joining the army, I weighed 140 pounds. I was six feet tall, you know, 20 years wow. old, and I was like uh-huh. really thin. Uh-huh. And a lot of people were like, "Dude, you're gonna join the light infantry, like basically the Ranger Battalion in Canada. Like, are you, are you, are you, you know, do you think you can do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, why can't I do that?" And I mm-hmm. did, and you know, I, a lot of people along the way looked at my body type. And mm-hmm. just immediately were like, you're too weak to do this job without actually looking at the moral character that yeah. I have. In those moments, because I, um, as a soccer player, I felt like I faced those moments a lot too of other people doubting me or not picking me or, you know, this or that. And I always, you know, I think there's two different kinds of athletes. There's athletes that um, try to prove people wrong. And there's athletes that believe in their self more than anything that they're, they're, they're there to like, to show what they can do as opposed to like proving people wrong. Like in that moment, it sounds like you believed in, like, it didn't matter what anybody said. There was a belief inside you that was like, I can do this. Like you're not proving them wrong. You're just showing that you're capable. You know what I'm saying? Do you think there's a difference between those two? And I did was motivated a lot by, a lot of people that that doubted me in the past and I was like I don't want to look at them in the face and see that they were right okay uh-huh you know what I mean like I and I guess that's like I mean I guess that could be an external motivator but it also motivated me internally to be the person that I wanted to be yeah and you know not opposed to the people that be the person that or the character that somebody thought I was like actually be that person and yeah and do it and then I know you know being faced with these knee injuries and I mean this last one I was in a motorcycle accident about two years ago where I had a major concussion and that you know added some changed my lifestyle significantly um and now this one and it's just you know you're gonna get handed obstacles in life you just gotta you either got to find another way around it or over top of it or under it, but you just can't let that door close and then that be the end of your dream. It yeah. just means that that path is now not the path that you wanted to take. Yeah. It's funny to me that people think, and I think we all get sucked into this where we think like life is just going to be like a straight shot to what we think is possible or like what we think we're supposed to do. And that I just saw a picture of this the other day and where it had like, what we think and it's like a straight line that's going upwards from like where we are to where we want to be and the other one was like a a valley a plateau a spike uh you know all these different things a rock uh, all these things in your way and you're so right you know you have to decide how you get around and through those obstacles and in those obstacles you're defining who you are and your character and it's you know and really it's written in the u.s constitution it says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
<laughs> well, happiness is not a state that is given to you. Yeah. As defined in that document, it's a pursuit. Yeah. So if you want to stay happy, and if my dream is to be a level three skier, and, and that's what I think is going to make me happy, and I think that that's the way I want to move forward, mm-hmm. then regardless of the obstacle put in place, I need to continue in that pursuit. Right. Because it's not really in the, the end goal that is where we find our happiness. It's, you know, no, in those every day. In the, in the find pursuit. it in the pursuit. Yeah. You really um, do. What, what is a level three skier? Is that what you were okay. training to get your market yeah, so or your in, diploma? So in Canada, it works. Uh, there's four levels in ski instructor. Level one is, like, really basic. Level two is, you know, more intermediate. Level three is advanced. Okay. With the level three also comes in international certification. Okay. So it's similar to what would be, I guess, for lack of a better term, a journeyman's red seal within the ski industry. So my intent is actually to immigrate to the U.S. Okay. So my, you know, this season I wanted to get that level three so that it would allow for more opportunity Option. for me yeah. in, the, in the U.S. Okay. Because it would be an international certification. So now that this has happened, I mean, it's, I'm actually pretty impressed with how far I've come this far after surgery. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, I'm going to discuss this with physio and with the, with the surgeon, but I think I'm going to attempt to ski again and see where we're at. And I may try to take the teaching part of that exam and not the ski part. Okay. When is, so, um, When would you have to take... Like, what's the timeline on it? When do you have to get that uh, all done? There's two exams, one at the end of March, one at the end of April. Okay. I have all the credit. I just have to actually go show up and do the exam. Right. Um, and as a level three ski instructor, you're leading, you're teaching people, or what exactly are you doing with that? Yeah, so if you're, so you're from Colorado, right? I'm sure you've been to a ski school or ski hill. Yeah. So, you know, you go to the ski hill and there's your ski school, and if mm-hmm. you're never ever a skier and you show up there and you get a lesson, yeah. odds are you're going to get a lesson with a level one ski instructor who's going to teach you the basics, right? Okay, okay. Where if I'm a level three within that school, generally what will happen is parents will sign their kids up for multi-week programs that are more advanced kids or race programs or free ride programs, or level three generally takes the private lessons or the more advanced clients. Like, for example, if I went to a ski resort at Heavenly, I may go mm-hmm. to the ski school and be like, you know what, for 60 bucks, I can take a ski lesson and then get access to the resort. So if I showed up for that lesson, a level three, an American level three, or equivalent to the, whatever that is in America, would then take me on to that ski lesson because you're more an advanced ski. You just train more advanced skiers, really. Okay, okay. So um, just to allow you to be more... You're more like a golf pro. You're now more like a golf pro at a golf resort, at, at, you know, as opposed to just a ski instructor at the ski hill. You're really well, you know, you generally will have sponsorships at a level three level, and you'll have, you know, you just teach higher lessons. Right. And do you have, do you personally have sponsorships, or is that something that you're Yeah, I've, to get? I have, um, I have, uh, a pro deal, I mean, like I mean, they don't give me equipment, but I get equipment for really cheap through mm-hmm. through uh, through Blizzard. 
Blizzard or, or Blizzard or Blitzer, depending on where in the world you are, but in the States it's Blizzard. <laughs> so Blizzard, Saktika, Marker are my sponsors for skiing. Yeah. Um, interesting. I don't know much about the ski world. You would think, being a Colorado girl, I would, but um, I was so into playing soccer that a lot of my time after, you know, youth when I did ski more turned into soccer, soccer, soccer. So um, it's just interesting to, me, inter- interesting to me. So back to your knee stuff, your first, your left ACL, did you get the same grafts on your knee? Like, did you get Yeah, a, so both my repairs past were hamstring grafts. Hamstring, uh-huh. Uh, my right, I'm actually, I've looked at it. Like, um, I don't want to go with the patella graft, patella graft because of the recovery. I think uh-huh. I'm going to go with the cadaver graft. Okay, so you haven't had surgery yet? You have No, it's Canada, no. so I'm on a waiting list to get on a wait list. That's what I was going to ask, too, is just the, the way it works in Canada. Yeah, the limitations with that. So what happens is there is no prehab like we call it prehab now. Yep. Pre-surgery yep. physio paid for. After your surgery, the government will pay 16 visits to physio, and then the rest has to be paid on your own. Wow, or you, that's or it. Or you have your own health care. That's it. <laughs> I thought we were bad, and we're we probably average 20 to 30 in the U.S. I think. I mean, obviously, it depends on what your insurance and is. You won't, but... And you won't have to wait, right? Like if I was in the yeah. U.S., I would have probably had the surgery this week. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's, you know, so yeah. that when it comes to, you know, athletes in Canada or people in Canada that are looking at ACL injuries, they, you, you are looking at a long period of time between, let's say, the closest would be 30 days, and I've never heard of that, but to mm-hmm. 18 months before you're going to have surgery. Yeah. So, you're, you know, your prehab is crucial. And my theory behind it is even if you're not working the muscles around the knee and you should be with your physio, and I'm paying for physio now, but I've also done the process. So my physio is more of a guide to set benchmarks with me Yeah. along the way. And my theory is if I work my upper body, I continue to build or continue to train the body and get it used to being broken and repaired, that Mm. when you go into surgery, your body's now not looking at something new. Yeah. So if you can, continue your fitness at whatever level possible. And if it means having to adopt or modify your upper body routine so that now you can start making whatever benchmarks you want to make for your upper body training and physique, you can now achieve those, get the body prepped to being built and rebuilt so that when you come to surgery, your body is coming into a new uh, a cycle that's already been through. We do yeah. that in the Army, right? That's why in the Army you train like crazy so that your body is used to being destroyed and then recover and then destroyed and recover. And the more you destroy it, the faster it recovers. Yeah. You know, Hockey is an example, too. You guys play really fast, quick, explosive shifts, and they're mm-hmm. able to recover quick, quickly between them because of their anyway, training. That's yeah. basic you know, yep. fitness. Yeah. I feel when you, if you bring this principle into surgery, it, it works. And it helps psychologically. It helps you because you're not yeah. stuck there. And I know my first surgery, I was like, 
oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to ski again? Am I going to be able to rock climb again? Am I going to be able to do play hockey, soccer, anything that I did before? Is this now a possibility, or am I just screwed? And what do you it, think? You what do you think got you out of that mindset? Because I think everybody goes through that in some form or another. Uh, you know, I had a lot of good friends around me at the time that just kept me motivated. And then I got a brace and went and then talked to physio, and they're like, "Yep, you've got a surgery date. You can't really wreck your knee anymore. Don't mm-hmm. go ski moguls or anything. But if you want to go to the ski hill." take it easy on the, you know, the bunny hill and ski around and check it out. And then I went and skied with the brace. And as soon as I was able to, you know, have that, your your muscle memory and your nervous system and your motor skill development come back, you know, bang and in an instant, it was, then it was like, okay, now I think I'm going to be able to do this again. And then yeah. just, nose to the grindstone, get to the gym and start doing my stuff. And and then I just set those little benchmarks every day. Like, okay, I just got to get to the gym and I got to go, you know, my goal is to do this today. Bike for 30 minutes instead of, or five minutes instead of three. Right. You know, bike for 20 instead of 15. And whatever mm-hmm. it is, just go there and make that benchmark easily attainable so that I can get to it and then and then set another one that's easily attainable and get to it. And, then and not, by having yeah. all that success, by continually building success, you're, you you maintain that positive go. That's really that's tough, a really though. good. Yeah, it's I like really that. It's really tough to do. But <laughs> and is. we do it in athletics. So in ski racing, like there was a, I also coached ski racing. So for five years, I coached ski racing in between like a U14, U12 level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similar to how we work with athletes in that sport is we set individual benchmarks so that psychologically the athlete is able to perform in the environment, whether that be yeah. slalom or GS or super G, they're able to perform in that environment because they've set up me- mental success and physical success prior by building yeah. and establishing small benchmarks along the way. Yeah, good. I like that. And that what do you think yeah, the difference is? Go ahead. What you no, you go ahead, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say you you mentioned your your left ACL, you came back pretty well, but do you did you feel like there was differences in your the process between your first and your second? Cause, or just because you retoured the second you feel like it wasn't as successful? No, I think my left knee because there was also the MCL repair to it, just not um, being patient with the with the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting too because uh, I just had an email from someone asking she had just torn. Um, I can't recall now if it was the same ACL or if it was her other one, and she was like, "Is it easier the second time?" And I was like, "I I can't." I can't answer that, like, probably the way you want me to answer it. Is it easier? Maybe a little bit because you know what to expect, but at the same time, you know what to expect. So, like, then you exactly. maybe push you push back faster or you, um, you know, do too much on this or you 
or then something else comes up and you're like, I didn't feel that. Like, what, what is that? I don't know what that is. When it's just something normal, you didn't feel in the last one. So that's really interesting that you can, you know, obviously retrospectively look back and think, you know, I should have taken more time, but it's hard, you know, life hits you and you have to make decisions that seem right in the moment. But I think that's one of the biggest things in the re the rehab process is just, it takes time and that's okay. Like, we think, and we're all athletes in, in one way or another, you being a skier, me being a soccer player, but I think about how we get to the point that we are at in our sport. Like, you're training to get a level three certification, and that took a long time to get there. And yeah. then we, we get this injury, and we think, like, we can just get back to what we're doing again. But really, it's going to take, like, why wouldn't it take a long time? not long in, in regards to how long it's taken us to get to where we were in that sport, but um, it's a process, like you said, and you have to be patient in that because you yeah, know, talking about, think, yeah, go ahead. You know, when I look like I'm 40 now, so I have somewhat the luxury of wisdom based on experience. Um, and I think when I was yeah. younger, you know, like if I had been a young soldier, in my early 20s and did the same injury to my knee I would be I would be in because you're so young and you're so used to everything happening so quickly mm-hmm. um, you'd want it to happen now and then you would be at, at that time in my life I wouldn't be able to think 19 years ahead to where I am now right and and the whole you know that's another lifetime for you at that age so if you're a young athlete and this has happened to you and you're so used to being elite in your sport and, and on the top end of your sport, and then this happens, and it's hard to have that patience to get back to where you were before. And How do we teach that patience? That's one of the things I ask myself all the time. Like, how do I help these kids with patience in the process, you know? So I think there's a couple ways to do the patience thing. One is to not look at it so much as trying to teach patients, but trying to teach a replacement for that athlete to learn the motor skill development. Mm. The best way that we can do that in skiing is through um, visualization training. Yeah. Because in skiing, a lot of what happens in skiing is not, and it happens just in any sport, is that you get to a level of in that motor skill development where you're now feeling internal cues within your body while you're you doing the sport that that allow you to do it and it's more for me it's a feeling within my feet in skiing for example that yeah. allows me to maintain that balance and that fluidity yeah. throughout my turn if you can focus on the mental development of that motor skill and how we do that with our athletes as we do it's a lot of meditation and it's a lot of, like, I want you to feel the air. I want you to feel that cold, crisp air. I want you to hear the wine from that chairlift. I want you to see the lift be loading you on the lift. I want you mm-hmm. to feel the lift, the cold on your bum as you go up, all of it. So you get to the top. Visualize the course. Visualize the snow condition in your brain. Feel it in your hand. And, and, and then you'll be able to train the nervous system and that nerve impulse. For the sport and that's really hard to teach somebody but that's all you got when you know if you're a basketball player a soccer player you can now look at the other aspects of 
the sport that, you know, allow for it to happen. And by focusing on that mental um, yeah. awareness, you're going to, you'll develop. It's hard to teach though. Like that patience, I, I, I still don't know and I'm 40. I've, I've taken a long time to learn it. Yeah. Well, I think it's something we're always learning, right? Because new situations come up in our life and we're like, oh, I thought I learned patience and I'm obviously not being patient right now. But I think, I mean, visualization is something that I often refer people to as well. And I think there is such power in that. And um, it's cool. Are you currently visualizing stuff? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, and it's been a part of my my training for my level three is trying to, you know, work through that. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still doing it. But, I mean, what I'm also doing, I guess, is is not looking at the long-term goal. So the long-term goal is to get back to skiing to the level I was before injury. That's the long-term goal with any athlete. Um, the patients to get to that, you have to set the short-term goals and benchmarks in between mm -hmm. and then just have the, you know, the discipline to reach those benchmarks to get to the final goal. But yeah. know that you can't just go from, you have to go through that process. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, cool. I, I'm glad I got to pick your brain a little bit. Um and and see, you know, for me, I do know soccer so well and, like, had the ability to talk to a lot of soccer athletes. But it's really injury recovery in general, but uh, specifically to ACL, it's, there's so many similarities in the way that we can recover on the mental side. You know, what are we telling ourselves on a daily basis? What are we thinking about? What are we visualizing? Yeah. Um so I think that's really – it's just you know, interesting it, to see the crossover. As a, as a soccer athlete, even if you're at a collegiate level or a varsity level in high school, what you can do now is grab all those tapes of every game that is probably taped by your coaching staff mm -hmm. and start watching them and start Love looking that. at the defensive plays and the offensive plays that you're making and the mistakes that your team's making to understand the game in a different dynamic. So, so for you true. as an athlete, that maybe now this is the time in your athletic career where you do need to take the time and rewind and now actually learn the sport. Like in hockey, learn the plays. Like, you know, what, what are they doing in the neutral zone? Oh, wait a second. Now I'm starting to see this team is doing the same cues. Maybe I can communicate to that my players that are still playing. And they can yeah. get a result from that and, and benefit the team while I'm still on injured reserve. I but love I think that. If you are if you are a committed athlete in your sport, then you need to and in you know this is not the end of your world. This is now a growth in your career as an athlete. It's a moment yeah. to define your character. Either yet you were the guy that quit college soccer and now you're just bum crying at the water cooler 20 years later, or you know, you're the guy on the phone 20 years later talking to somebody else, trying to tell them how to be better with your ACL rehab because you didn't quit, you know? Yeah. That, those are your, you know, that's kind of how I see it. And if you are a committed athlete, you'll, you'll know, it'll be frustrating, but you'll, you'll, you'll already have the discipline, 
the structure, the, you know, commitment, the perseverance, the tenacity to get to where you are. You just have to redirect that. And if you're on a team sport like soccer or hockey or basketball, time to watch video, man. That's all yeah. you got. Watch video and, and now understand the game mentally in a dynamic. So when you come back physically, you're able to dominate on a level that you couldn't before. Yeah, that's And that great. can be a benchmark for you in your recovery is now I want to understand the entire collegiate playbook for the soccer. I want to know whatever team's the best. Why are they the best? What are they doing in their dry land routines and all of this? You can find all of that. Yeah. That's so so great. That's such a hot, that's such a hockey, like a dry land. Do you use that in skiing too? Or is is it just a hockey term? uh, We do it skiing. Yeah. Dry land. We call it. Yeah. Yeah. Because my brother is a hockey player, so he always had dry land training. And I was like, that's such a funny, because that's all we do yeah. is dry, dry, dry land training. Um, yeah. uh, cool. Well, I mean, that's I, like, you know, if you want to build patience, those are ways that you can do it. And it's tough. Yeah. The younger the athlete is, the harder it is going to be to instill that. The, yeah. the older the athlete is, um, I think depending on the level of athleticism they're at now. So let's say you're 30 and you do that and you're, you were just playing, you know, a, a men's league soccer game and now you've been hurt and this changes the dynamic because now you're an athlete, but it's a part-time thing. So I think that psychology also has a difference because the older you are, the more likely you are to be like, well, I was never a pro anyway. Yeah. So, you know, how much do I really want to get back to this? Without yeah. understanding that that's going to limit, you know, how, how you raise children. You yes. Know, all. yes. Plus your children. I have a 17-year-old daughter as well. And my uh-huh. children, children are watching me. So when you get stuck with this, handed to you, and your child's now looking at you, they're looking at you to figure out what they're going to do in that situation when they're older. So for me, I really, in my, it's not in my character to quit ever in my life anyway. I'm kind of yeah. It doesn't that seem like it. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's it's almost like I I I can't quit because someone else is relying on me to to deal with this because they need to see how to deal with that when they're you know, and my daughter's been hurt before in sport and guess what she just. You know what she did? She just did the physio, kept doing the stuff, never uh-huh. limited her. Uh-huh. It hasn't limited her yet because it's ne- I never she's never seen it limit me. Yeah. You talk about, I mean, how it wasn't really in, like you're a fighter. That's what you've kind of been raised up as. And then your background um, in the Army and just kind of what you do for work it teaches you a lot of lessons and builds a lot of character within you. But do you think that you built anything different through this, the injury, you know, that you tapped into something else that you were like, Oh, I, I got stronger as a person in this aspect. Oh, totally. And I, I mean, being a soldier, I, I, I thought I understood determination, perseverance, tenacity. I thought those things were Things I already understood because I had mm-hmm. tested. Yeah. But this surgery reaffirms that I have this. Uh, All of them mm-hmm. have. They've they've totally reaffirmed that. Okay, are you determined? Yeah. We're, we're going to have to prove that one over again. 
you know, <laughs> are are you committed to this? Now are you committed? Yeah. Yeah, I am a committed person. How do I know I'm committed? Because I've come back from three, two surgeries. Now I'm going to come back. I haven't come back from this one, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not concerned about how this yeah. is going to limit. It's more like, in a way, it's. Uh, this might sound really demented, but it sounds really familiar to me because I've been here. Yeah. And in a way, I had a lot of stuff personally going on, a lot of like financial things that were happening, a lot of things in my life outside of sport that were causing some stress. Mm-hmm. And having this injury has now allowed me the opportunity to prioritize what's important, put all the shit that didn't really matter on the back burner. Yeah. And and really kind of reconsider those options and focus on this. Yeah. And I think I've become stronger since I've been hurt mentally because now it's I just have this to deal with. Yeah. Which I'm good at and I know I can get back from it. And again for me, and I've been trying this kind of attitude for the last six months. For me I'm trying to um in my life, I'm trying to understand other people's perspective of what's happening and what their perspective of their success is. And I look at how they want to succeed and then what what do I have to do to inspire that person to become, to perceive success. So in, in doing that allows me to gain my own. Hmm. So in this case, I've got to, I'm now looking at, Okay, my perspective of ACL injury is like, okay, great. Now I got to do this again. Fuck, that's a lot of hard work. I was kind of hoping I didn't have to work hard in the gym lately. Yeah. Now I'm back here. Okay, that's my perspective. I'm gonna have to do it. Another person's perspective is, oh my God, ACL. I'm now my career as an athlete's over. Right. Even if you were an athlete, a young athlete, and you're trying to think about whether you're gonna stay committed to the sport for long term or not, this might be a deciding factor for you, right? Yeah. So now seeing that that person's perspective and knowing mine and knowing that part of their perspective is going to be to succeed and overcome this injury, if I now just go out and do the stuff I need to do, every day go to the gym, do the spin bike, do all the things I need to do in my ACL rehab to become successful, someone else seeing me do that on social media and being like, well, that guy's 40, he's doing this shit for the third time, why do I think this is going to limit my life? So right. by me now uh, trying to attain my success and inspiring that other person makes me more inspired to attain my own. Because cool. again, there's people watching my example. And people I, looking at me going, hey, this guy, some people are like, that guy's never going to come back. And part of me wants to be like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong because that's not my character. Yeah. And actions, not words. And, and another part of me is like, I got to inspire other people around me because if I quit, somebody might be looking and say, that guy quit, I'm going to quit too. And that's, it's so interesting that you bring that up because that's kind of the principles, I guess, I built the ACL club on is that um, through showing our scars, you know, show your scars is something that I often talk about. Um, You share your strength and in by sharing your strength, and, and saying, this is what happened to me, even even talking to somebody about it or showing someone, like you said, motivating someone on social media or, or putting up something motivational on social media or going to the gym and um, 
talking about talking to someone you see with another uh, knee scar that's similar to yours by sharing your story and you share your strength and it's not only with them but you in turn are like actually realizing how strong you are and all that you have overcome and I think that's one of the coolest things about this process is like there should be pride in your scars like what does show your scars mean to you well it's very similar to like that that whole thing you're describing is like that's what they do in the army right like you're you're continually challenging each other and you're continually inspiring everyone around you because no one wants to quit no one wants to be the guy that you know you all want to attain that same success you all want mm-hmm. to have that thing so by collectively suffering it now doesn't seem so bad mm. and i think yeah, building community within athletes that are injured is crucial, especially yeah. if you're hurt. You need to you need to stay with those people because, you know, I was feeling down and some dude sent me a video and was like, hey, man, I saw your ACL thing. I think you're probably set up the best to do this. I think it's awesome. Thanks for inspiring me today to get out and do something. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think that that would do anything. Yeah. But now knowing that, hey, there's somebody else that's, they're stoked yeah. that I'm getting better, so I'm going to keep yep. getting better so that yep. they're going to get better. And now you've created this collective positive energy, and that's contagious. It is. It really is. And I I know that the ACL Club is growing, and it's going to be um, helpful to so many people because I already know it is helpful to so many people. But you know, every, like you just mentioned, that one little thing can spark something inside of you that helps you through that day. For me, you know, I, it's an email, it's a direct message on Twitter or Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is, to know that, like, one person finds what I'm doing important to them. Like, is that not the goal of humanity is to help each other through life? Totally. <laughs> so, so I, I know, feel like, like, go ahead. And I, and like, um, like, I've coached for a number of years, so now it's, like, you know, long enough that some of the athletes I coached are now, they're the same age as my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 16, 17. And I met one the other day at Ski Hill. I was like, oh, wow, like, you're you're growing up. Like, oh, yeah. this, this, this. And, and then they said, do you remember when you told me this? And it was something about um, – failing like you can only succeed if you fail you can actually success is a is only built on failure mm-hmm. something with regards to that and I was like no I actually don't remember telling you that and they're like they're like that's probably one of the most um important things anyone's ever told me and it's something that I said in casual conversation in a comment that I didn't really mean to have intent to impact someone for the remainder of their life Right. And for 10 plus years, that has been a motivating factor in that individual's life. So in your lifetime, when you communicate to other people, whether that message is positive or negative, you have absolutely no idea the effect of what you've said on that person and what that effect will have on everyone around them. So yeah. the more positive you are to people, the more energy that you put out that's positive, the more that, that grows because that kid – you can assure that Miles has gone and told somebody else that same thing. Yeah. And that has now impacted them somewhat, and they may have told that other person. And that ripple has an effect. Wild now, fire. If, I told that, 
if I told that kid, hey, man, you'll probably never succeed because you're always going to fail. Well, Total different life path. Now what Now what did that do? Right. Where, yeah. you know, maybe that kid was writing a test and he failed the test and was like, dare, I failed. What did someone tell me about film? My coach said I can only succeed if I fail by building a foundation of failure. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm building that foundation. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, that's cool. Gosh, this is great. I, I really enjoy talking to you, Sean. That's it from Sean, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. I kept trying to turn it into some shorter podcasts, but I didn't think it felt right doing that, and so I wanted to give you the full conversation and kind of um, me going into it, not really knowing what uh, to expect, and I think Sean feeling the same way, and having just a really true, authentic, real conversation about how we can help people through this process, and how we just do that by being real and being authentic and allowing ourselves to say this is hard but we can do it because we're capable of great things and instilling patience within ourselves and finding ways to get stronger mentally. I think Sean hit on a lot of good things. So lastly, if you want to follow Sean through his journey in this ACL process, follow him on Instagram at tattooed.skier and he shares a lot of his journey and kind of what's going on in his rehab process. Just want to thank him again for his time, and I can't wait to talk to you next time with our next guest. Until then, show your scars with pride.